All right, guys, this is Euphoria Season 3, Episode 12, uh, with Ender. Hi, Ender. Welcome. Hey guys. Normally, like, we save you for the end, but you're a catcher, so I feel like we can introduce you yeah. early. We are, of course, available on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. You're listening to us on one of them. Of course, if you prefer a different one, you can swap over. Uh, Timestamps are in the description. And before we get into Ender and the Ender story and everything about Ender, because this is an Ender-focused episode, and I'm going to keep saying the word Ender because it makes Frost go laugh. <laughs> um, we do have some bet updates. Of course, we have the playoff racket bet, which I'm going to be honest, I haven't organized the best, so we're going to see how that one works out. We'll keep you posted. Um, but then also we have the spicy bet challenge, with which Frost and resolved in my stead. Uh, not because I was sick, just because I straight up forgot I had to be there. Um, so I took she, one for the team. So he to covered repa- me for cake. Yeah, so to repay the pie bet, Frosco did it, and we have the video here. Uh, of course, if you are in podcast land, the audio will still be there for you, but I recommend uh, checking us out on YouTube. Not for the whole thing, but maybe come back and, and watch later just for the bet resolve. Um, they're going to break down a game. Yeah, they'll give you the details. You can see the video. We're going to go check it out now. This was one of his staple picks, and now he gets his hands back on it after the big bust. Oh my god, this hits instantly. Is that just humanoids miscommunication? Because I see a play like that, I'm like, that's just, you know, a rookie mistake. Humanoids obviously just not tracking what people are while he's trying to rotate. Yeah, I guess you don't expect them to be there because we are calling that we want to DP. That just does a lot of flanking oh, plays. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, uh, yeah, the shop. Where? Did you not see this? Did he say anything? Was he like, he was oh, FK. He was FK. <laughs> he was looking at the dragon because he was trying to ult for you guys. Oh, my. But he did it in the middle of the list. <laughs> I mean, frankly, I don't know if either SK or Flex can win these two fights. Oh, man, I might need a t-shirt. Oh, my God. <sighs> Oh no, I can't see anymore. Oh god. Uh, um, I can't see the screen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think oh, this is no, when... no, no, I remember. Oh, the black shield or North Scaring. I don't know. What happened to my team? I just not getting banged like by four people and I can't do anything. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, and we see SK winning. Yeah, I made it another one. He is just emanating from my face. It feels like a sunburn in your mouth. That was hot. Ah, this is good. That was very hot. Wow, presumably that was a great video. I haven't actually seen it yet. It's getting edited in afterwards. What you need to know is that as soon as the ramen goes into Cersei's mouth, his lips become inflamed. Like, they they get super red. It looks like he's wearing lipstick. He starts to tear up. I put it into my mouth, and I think my favorite line was, this feels like a sunburn in my face. (laughs) In your face? Not on your face. On the inside of your face. You're burning from the inside out. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, and then I tried to, like, interview him a couple times, and that just wasn't going to work, so we just watched some League of Legends and ate some ramen. There you go. Greatest bet ever, we think. You will have actually heard it, so it's really funny that we're recapping it now because they will have already listened to it, but I don't know. We're learning how to do this thing on the fly. Anyway, Ender, you're here. Now, one of the questions that we got from our Twitter questions was like, hey, like when we've been inviting players on recently, we haven't had as much time to hear backstories. Um, so, Ender, why don't you tell us like 
Where where did you come from? Who are you? How did you get here? What dumpster did we dig yeah, you like, out of? <laughs> NA. Another another <laughs> NA export for coming over to the casting team. Um, give us the give us the story. Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles. Ooh, bad yeah. city. Yeah, big big. Yeah, it's a great city. Man, really rough. Good food. Good food in LA. Great food, sure, sure. <laughs> Cultural wasteland, but great food. Agree. Yeah, um, but I guess so. Sort of my League of Legends story started in the end of 2012 when I started playing League. Um, my friends basically been trying to convince me to play the game, and I was like, Nah, this game looks terrible. I'm never gonna play this. Um, but eventually I did, and of course I had to be better than my friends. <laughs> the so narrator, I... spoiler, alert, <laughs> <you're> dead. <laughs> spoiler, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was like, I have to be better than my friends. So I, I ended up climbing. I got to like platinum. Um, fast forward a few years. Were your friends all hard stuck gold? Like no, what? I actually I got really lucky. Uh, I had like two or three friends that were like diamond. Uh, at the time, so they were like teaching me, like, don't use your cannon ult on wolves. Like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Why um, were you near the wolf camp? Uh, you have no idea. I, I thought like five warmogs was the way to go with Moby boots on on cannon. It was it was not that great. Yeah, and and they hired me, so this is uh, this is this is where I come from. So you're why the Riot Balance team sucks. <laughs> oh no, you can't! Come on, Ender sucks. The Riot Balance team is fine. Ergot's not a problem. <laughs> Continue. So fast forward to 2016. Uh, I was I was master tier at the time, and I was like, okay, I'm graduating high school pretty soon. I want to go pro in League of Legends. I couldn't go pro in League of Legends. Yeah, no. yeah I was I was like pretty good. Like narrator, spoiler <laughs> alert, he didn't. <laughs> Are you just gonna narrate my story? You for can me? just this be the great. narrator and say he didn't. You don't have to say narrator <laughs> and announce that you're the narrator every time. You're still thinking about it like it's a Twitter meme. But you're like you're just you're right. You are the narrator. I spend more time on Twitter than I do in real life. There you go. Continue. I mean, I would believe it. Uh, so uh, I ended up. <laughs> I ended up did you spill water? <laughs> Fine, just keep, All right, you're good. I'm Go. gonna keep going. Uh, so uh, I uh, I was playing in a bunch of these amateur leagues with people like Acadian was playing back then. I think I played versus him a few times. Um, but I was like, okay, what can I do that's not playing? Like you got casting, you got an analyst, you got a coach. But casting was the easiest to sort of break into it because I just reached out to all like the tournaments that I was playing in. It was like, hey, you want someone to cast? Um, so I ended up doing that uh, for about a year. I took a gap year from college instead of going. Um, I was like, look, I'm going to make it as a caster. It's going to work out. Spoiler, I didn't in the first year, but I did end up making it uh, to the, as a referee. Uh, for LCS, um, where I was literally, I was, I was trolling the Riot website uh, for, um, to see like a job opening uh, for EU. Uh, oh, well, not for EU at now, the Now, when time. he says he was trolling the website, he means that he was scouting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skimming <laughs> the website. <laughs> but the best part about the job was like, I'm, you know, fresh out of high school. Like, I don't know. I, I have no qualifications, right? Classic. You don't Classic need that e to be a referee, which was great. Because I, I saw it and I'm like, Yes. 18 years old, I've done it. This is all I need to Whoever get the, the head ref in NA is, is you're going to get a salty message from, did you really just go on a podcast and say, hey, I don't have any qualifications. You know what I can do? <laughs> ref the NALCS, baby. Let's go. You know say, what? My qualification was I was high ELO, League of Legends player. I'm glad that we treat the NALCS like the little league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Poor NA. Why you got to do them like that? Why you got 
not to do them like that. <laughs> you started it, I'll be honest. You started off. Anyway, finish. you're a high school student. You have no experience. Yeah. You're like, I'm a good player. I'll be a referee. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I basically, I did an interview. There is an ELO gate on it, though. It's like Diamond 3, isn't it? Uh, not to be a referee. Um, so to be head referee, there is. Um, it's platinum and above, I think, because you have to work with, like, uh, like knowing, like, which champions, like, disable. You have to be able to identify bugs and, like, make decisions on whether or not they're game impacting. We've just decided that that's a platinum. Yeah. Like, Silas cannot be played. <laughs> yes. and I know this because I'm now plat 5. As a plat 5 player, I can tell you that Master Yi is hilariously OP and should not be allowed in t- into the LE. That's why we don't see him, actually. I've taken the liberty to ban him completely. That's a joke. We don't ban Master Yi. Just every once in a while, someone comes into your mentions like, What? <laughs> Cowcept, did How you could see you do this? It? <laughs> this is why he's not being played. Um, but yeah, so when, you, when you're on stage, you're... It's interesting how I word it, because I, I like to say you're a glorified babysitter you of pro players. You had a lot of interesting wordings in the, yeah. the first 10 minutes. I'm, I'm a glorified babysitter of pro Got players it. as a referee, because what, what you do is you, you, go, you go with them everywhere they go. So like when they go off stage, you have to be with them to make sure they get on stage on time. Otherwise, you can't get in champ select and the show can't happen. How much of it is you being like a, a manager for their time versus looking for, because I assume we also have our refs there for like anti-cheating purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, like a player doesn't just like walk to the bathroom with like their phone and like put like mobifier. How do I build this champion? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Because um, I think most of the time it is just like time management. Um, because like that's when you're off stage. When you're on stage, though, you have to do a few things. Like um, before they come on, you basically like check them to make sure they don't have like a USB or anything on them. Because um, people used to cheat like that back in the day, or so I've been told. Um, and then uh, when you're actually on stage, one of the biggest things is like audio. Um, so since you you have access to player audio, you can actually listen to hear if like they're saying they're trying to abuse some bug, or if you can hear casters in the background, you have to be like, yo. Like this can't happen because um, you can like talk directly to production and make sure like if that's happening or if like fans are waving when there's a gank or holding up a sign or something, you can tell them to basically You're stop. You're telling that. me, Andrew, that we have someone to make sure that no information gets leaked to players from the environment surrounding them. Human booth. Yeah. Human booth. I'm a human booth. There's always, always been booths, <laughs> folks. Spoilers. They're just people. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Blue. I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna be a loose episode of the Euphoria. I like podcast. it. I it's like it. Time. We're talking about refereeing. Anyway, refing wasn't the only thing that you did. Though. No, it wasn't. I ended up going to the playtest team, and I like. Do I, you want to tell the background story yeah, of why yeah, they I put love, you on the playtest team? I love the background team? story. So, uh, I uh, this is like two months into being a referee, right? Uh, and I get an email from Riot Games because I live right next to like the Riot headquarters and everything, and they're basically like, "You want to come in uh, and test some new content like early?" I'm like. Of course, why wouldn't I? So I end up I go I end up going to Riot and I play Zion Rakan. I'm in like a testing group. There's ten people, um, but I think they sent an email to one of my Smurfs. Um, so I was Diamond at the time. Everyone in my game was like platinum ish. Maybe there was like a few low Diamond players, but I get into the game and I go like twenty and zero. Like, it's just not even close. Like, I ruined these tests. Like, I killed Zyra Khan, like, 20 times because I was always against them. It was really, really bad. Um, looking back on it now, I'm like, they actually just got no value out of this. But uh, Riot Blouse Toys, you know, the infamous Toxic Rioter. Toxic Rioter. Um, he was running the player labs at the time. He's like, hey, you should totally apply uh, to join the playtest team because, like, you're a pretty good player.
player, all that stuff. So I ended up applying, went through the whole interview process and got that job, which was insane. Um, it was just like learning how everything happened behind the scenes was like sort of a dream come true because when you when you play a game for so long, you and you 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 sort of know how it works, but you don't really know. So long, <laughs> he says. He's played League of Legends for so long. 2012. Oh yes, oh, seven yes. years of League. Back in mud. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was just crazy seeing like champions go from like start to finish. I worked a lot on the new rune system. I was the lead play tester on the new new rework. That yeah, champions. So that's great. your fault. So, no, Nunu's fantastic. Mm. So the phrase "roll it down mid" comes from Ender. Yes, I. Uh, so I, I, I'm great at coining phrases before things come out because you, you have know, you know unfair advantage. Yeah, to I have an unfair advantage. So like yes. you know, I, I call uh, when you um, when you bring Rift Herald into a lane to take a, take down the turret plates. I call that a plate gank because when I was playtesting, so I went back in between uh, ULCS last year and LEC this year. I went back to play with the playtest team. Um, and it was when we were doing the preseason stuff with the with the turret plating, and I figured that the best way to play the game was to just hard camp bot lane, take five plates, rotate top, take five plates, take herald, take five plates mid, and that is where the infamous plate game originated from. How are you, ladies so and gentlemen? Bad at if you didn't water? already turn into YouTube to watch the <laughs> bet resolve, you should just. We need a frost and water highlight because not only did she have like eight water bottles under her seat so she can just continuously refresh the water thing. She's now missed the little <laughs> thing, little carafe entirely. And I was worried that I was going to spill. Like that was like my number one fear is I'm just going to pour it all over the table and you I just did that. I have a trapped nerve in my back. It hurts. I don't got good arm I don't move so good. <laughs> I don't move so good. <laughs> don't make fun of me. Well, anyway, you came, you got here, Ender. Um, are you, I, I remember because you were recommended is like a potential caster. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's on the playtest team. Like, check him out. I remember watching your VOD being like, wow, this guy's mediocre. And then... Uh, <laughs> I was like, he's in it. Oh, no, you're EU Azale. The first time I ever heard you, I thought that we had Azale shipped over from Europe because your guys' voices sound so similar. <laughs> I was like, but he's not quite Canadian enough. Who is this guy? And then I see you on screen, and you're, I think, standing next to Vettius at the time. I was like, oh, my God, it's a bring your child to work today. <laughs> I um, actually think you tweeted that too. I think I remember that. That was my. That yeah. was that was the the running joke for your entire first split was who is your father? Because yeah. we have you and Deficio. We got you and Quickshot oh together. God. People are just trying to identify. Yeah, the family me, roots. me and Deficio was the funniest because like without meaning to, like three weeks in a row, we just wore the same clothes on every day, and we didn't realize because usually like he was casting, I was on the analyst desk or vice versa. But then the first like time we're both sitting next to each other on the analyst desk, we're both wearing like a blue suit with like a white shirt and. Someone is just like all my Twitter feed just blows up, and it's just like, like, is that your dad? Like, you literally look the same. Oh my god, it was crazy. Bless. Well, Andrew, you're here now. We're happy to have you. Um, and one, actually, I'm gonna save this derail for between talking about round one and round two because I do want to talk about our most recent enjoyable experiences together as a trio in Flex Q. Oh, no, yes. okay. Here's no, what happens. No, but wait, because they... I think people people do want to hear about League of Legends, so I think we should hold it for between. We'll call it like a little fun break because. Some people are really excited to hear about Ender, I guarantee, and others, some other people, these other people probably want to hear about League of Legends and not just rolling it down mid. So how about we talk a little bit about round one? Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's start with the really, really easy series. I uh, thought we weren't going to talk about running it down mid. Well, <laughs> speaking of running it down mid, great transition point. They ran it down top. 
Vitality, 3-0'd by Fnatic. I have written in my notes, Mega Stomp. And I would like you to begin, before we break down the series, compare it to a movie. So to me, when I watch, I'll start, and you can go next. This movie, this is like, Fnatic is John Wick, and Vitality is every extra bad guy in that entire movie. And it's just like, pop, 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 pop. And it's just like one montage highlight moment followed by the other of just absolute destruction. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Groundhog Day because it was the same thing every game. But there's no happy ending here. (laughs) They're like, we'll try it one more time. (laughs) Hmm. See, I was going to, the first one that popped in my head was like the Power Rangers movie, but like the old school one from like the, I think, late 90s, early 2000s with like Tommy as the White Ranger and basically you had Ivan Ooze and Vitality was just Ivan Ooze basically running it into the Power Rangers oh, just no. slamming through it. And, you know, Fnatic came together. They found their spirit animals. They, like, went away. They got it. They got their new yeah, suits. Yeah, they got their new suits. They got their new... Oh. See, the thing for me that made this so sad is that, like, I had actually had a higher expectations for Vitality uh, going into playoffs. Like, I, I definitely wanted to see more. Um, but at the end of the day, when you look back at this series, this definitely felt like it was, like, how can we make Fnatic look the best possible? Like the omnipotent LCS scriptwriter, LEC scriptwriter, wherever they are, is is like, how can we make Fnatic look the best possible ever? And they were just like, ah, this series right here. Yeah, it was uh, it, w- it was tough to watch, I think, for me, uh, because the way Fatality were playing was sort of the way I wanted them to play. You know, with like strong split pusher for Cabo, like early game focus, and like Fnatic were going hard scaling, especially in the first two games. Um, And then they got early leads, and you're like, okay, this is what we want to do. I want to see them 1-3-1, do all these things. And then they just sort of died one by one. In like the most, like, Oh, game Absurd one was especially ways frustrating. Possible. Yeah, like when when they when they towered over Whippo top lane when he's playing the gangplank and Mowgli goes in while Jack Troll is walking away and just like, like how does that happen? Like on, I've on, got it. Literally, on, the yeah, call on is, what pay, I've yeah, got it. Yeah, but it's like it's those things, and then they just kept stacking up and stacking up and stacking up, and then once you do three of those in one game, Fnatic has the scaling and just smashes. You. I think it's super easy to look at that series and shit on Vitality, and unfortunately, sorry, Vitality, rightfully slow, like. That was pretty bananas, that performance. We don't expect that from Vitality. Um, But in huge credit to Fnatic, I think playing with Karthus and then I said this on cast. I just kind of really want to reiterate it here. Having the likes of Kai'Sa, champions like Kai'Sa, Vayne um, are so interesting against a team like Vitality because you know that they love to 1-3-1 and play into a side lane. And... um, Fnatic's mentality is is that this is just an early game team, so if we survive the two-item power spike, it's an auto win for us because we're against Vitality, they can't play late game. And so they built compositions that were the best of both those two variables. You have Vayne and Kai'Sa who uh, spike on two items and then have hyperscaling potential and can play swing out into uh, side lanes. Vayne can... Uh, solo or 1v1 duel and Kaisa I think was also running teleport that game and can use the W snipe and even though we never got to see Fnatic's composition do that because they just rolled over Vitality in the early game and then just like auto won that was like if it came down to it Fnatic had all of the tools to counter out exactly what Vitality's style was and then you throw a parody Karthus on top of it and it was just like from a drafting perspective, it was over in the first yeah. 30 seconds. And to me, like I think what when you know that a series is over like really over is when you're drafting to like set your players up for success and you're not winning 
against an enemy team that is drafting exclusively to beat you and has the flexibility to change their own play style just to beat yours, right? Like, that kind of flexibility, when it works, is, like, disgusting. Right now, if, if Fnatic had lost game one, like, this would have been a completely different series, right? In the sense that they would Vitality would have proven, like, hey, what we have to bring to the table is, like, is stronger. But, like, the second that game one was over, like, we, we cast this series as a trio, and it was it was hard. Because game two, right, was once again, and you already mentioned it, it was Groundhog's Day, right? It was the same thing, but the difference was is like, okay, we've got a little bit more of that team fight presence. We've got a little bit more from Cabo. Like, still they let the Karthus through, but like this, and now they've got the late game scaling for Attila in, in, in the form of the Tristana, but then they didn't even get to that. <laughs> like, it all just, it literally all just fell apart. And once again, like, absolute credit to Fnatic, and, and especially credit to Blippo for surviving a lot of situations where he shouldn't. Now, admittedly, the one that you highlighted is a lot of mechanical mis-execution on the side of Vitality, but... I do want to say this, though. Something that I... Because you're speaking of Bwipo, something that I found really interesting was that Hecarim was banned all three games, and we know that Bwipo, he said in the past on Euphoria that one of his go-to blind pick champions is the like of Aatrox, which was also banned. Swain and GP are kind of like his next two go-tos, and he was forced onto the GP in a lot of these matchups because he had to do a blind. But I'm really curious that as the tournament meta evolves, and as we've seen Hecarim start popping up in like the SK series, um, if right now Fnatic just don't have a blind pickable option to deal with the Hecarim, and that's why it had to be taken away, or like how that will evolve in that pick. Because I also believe it was Fnatic who banned it every single time, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So Fnatic banned it every single game. And that could have just been that Fnatic put a higher priority on Karthus and do have an option ready for like the Hecarim, and they're like, okay, you know, in this, because if we know that we get to 15 minutes without Karthus being challenged, it's an auto win, so we need to ban the Hecarim because Karthus needs to be the priority pick, um, or they don't have something prepared for the Hecarim yet. Yeah, it's possible they don't, they don't have an answer to the Hecarim, but also I think one of the biggest strengths and weaknesses of Vitality is Cabo Shard, um, in the sense that he is very strong in lane, but what they often do, like when you see him pick the Lucian, is it's like a hard split push champion. So like, yes, he's going to dominate, he's going to look really good, but it just does not really work for your overall team comp. Uh, whereas I think the Hecarim, it's really good at both in lane, it outscales in side lane, and then your team fight is also very, very strong. Uh, so it's, it's one of the few top lane options, I feel like, with maybe like AP Cannon, that it's both good inside lane and in the team fight, and that was, I think, the only way Vitality was ever going to be able to beat Fnatic. And for me, it was interesting too because in the series, like obviously in in the the next day, I feel like we had a lot more innovation. I'll say in, in picks and bans, Kale being like the one kind of new pick. That Urgot was, jungle too. No, Kale in this series, in this first series, but oh, yes, the sure. Urgot jungle coming out the next day being kind of this big set, and it does feel like nine six is still relatively. Undiscovered, Morgana rising. You know, I think both sides playing Morgana and the other series was was surprising to me, was really interesting. I, and was, I was talking to Martin, and he said that um, everyone should be watching the Spanish League because the um, teams down there are, I shouldn't say down, the teams in those leagues are more willing to play experimental, and so they'll try things out, and a lot of the LC, LEC teams will scrim those teams. So... If you want to get, like, a preview about picks that could be upcoming, especially when it comes to the Morgana, because everyone knew that things like Hecarim, Kale, and Urgot were probably going to be picked up because of the big changes, but this specific type of Morgana, how you play it, what you're maxing, this is no longer the Flash Hourglass Morgana. This is the slow, control, twin shadows, max W Morgana, and this came from our regional leagues. Yeah, Super League of Orange especially. Like, if you guys ever want to look for either new 
new players coming into the league or whatever. I mean, I think that a lot of the regional leagues are ramping up, but Super League of Orange, I think, is head and shoulders above. And that's proof just by how many members of the Mad Lions roster have come in here. Obviously, the Giants team that became the Vitality team, is it's actually stunning how many players from that league have, have come into our league and how well that they performed. Um, overall, looking at, at Fnatic right now, like, how do you how, do you feel like you've learned a lot about this team over the course of the series? Is this I know people were feeling pretty good about them coming into playoffs. Is this instill more confidence, or is it is it hard to take anything from this series because it was so one sided? I think it's hard to take a lot from the series. What I was most impressed with was just sort of showing two different faces of Fnatic because I think for a large part of their winning streak in the second half of the split, it was heavy focus on early game with like Broxa really stepping up to the plate. Uh, whereas in this in this series, the first two games were heavy heavy scaling it. And they showed a real ability to draft specifically against their opponents as opposed to just drafting what is strong and what works for them. Uh, so that makes me look forward to games against teams like Splice, Origin, that are very good at uh, preparing in draft as well and being like, oh, this is actually going to be a coach's duel, uh, especially to see which team can set the or which coach can set their team up most for success because ultimately the, the teams that can change their style based on who they play against, I think should be most successful in the best of five, and that's what Fnatic showed. I think Fnatic showed that with the veteran and experience level and just kind of the understanding that each of their individual players have of the game, that what they're really good at doing is that as the course of the game changes, like every team that's left in playoffs is really good that once you give them a game plan that they can follow the game plan through, but not every team in playoffs is as good as once that game plan changes. You know, what is the dragon rotation? Mm. Um, someone misplayed, you know, in a 2v2 and suddenly you can no longer play around that map. We lost our summoners at this level at finding the different opportunities that now have been created or how to change their game plans on the fly. And I think teams like Origin, G2, and Fnatic, probably of the ones left, so I guess I'm really just talking about Splice, I think struggles with this because of the inexperience of their roster. Um, those three teams can change and adapt on the fly very quickly. And I think that's what we learned about the, from Fnatic in this series, or at least it was confirmed, and that's what's so terrifying about them. Mm. So that even if they go in, you know, level one with their game plan, if it's disrupted, they understand how to create opportunities, how to see those opportunities, and how to capitalize on the opportunities to then get back onto track, whereas other teams will be like, just sit back and scale, guys. It's fine. Like, we have to wait until we naturally get back to the game plan or get back on the track of the game plan that we've already set out. And I do feel like the the first these round one matches were definitely more one-sided than I think the matches are going to be coming up because one of the things you mentioned, you know, like that flexibility and style and that adjustability just wasn't present there. And SK, I feel like, gave a much better showing than Vitality did, but, like, even more than, uh, the, like, uh, sorry, their inexperience just, like, really showed through in some of those games, right? Like, obviously, some of those high-stakes calls... Ender, you pointed out some of the the build path decisions. Yep. Um, but like, but looking at this SK um, splice series, it did feel much closer, much more contested. And I mean, there were a few points in the series where I was very convinced that SK were were going to take it. Obviously, after game one being so dominant, and then a few other times where I really thought like they had control and everything was going in their favor. But it just at the end of the day, splice really did outclass. What did you guys take away from this series? Yeah, I think uh, ultimately what we saw was, especially in the first two games, was very strong team fighting by, by both sides. We talked about it a lot during the cast, but that was sort of the most exciting part about watching these two games. Um, but what my biggest takeaway was from Splice was actually their game three, when they played heavy split push, because this is a style that Vitality had been trying to make work and just couldn't up against Fnatic. And 
it, it's such a difficult draft to pull off, I think. And you and you don't associate splice with talking like, about the Velkaz Jace. The Velkaz uh, Jace. Jace, yeah, where they won in like under twenty five minutes, I think. Um, twenty six minutes and thirty seconds. Okay, Un- in under twenty seven minutes. There, there we go. go. Uh, but it's it's one of those comps that it's like you don't expect splice to pull off, right? Because again, they're more known for team fighting than they are for playing this one through one. And playing one through one is not easy by any means. But that again, it goes to show a little bit more versatility with this team and ultimately was just a very very clean game from them with innovative picks and strong side laning which really took me by surprise and is making me tr- like reevaluate this team coming into their match against Fnatic. I mean I understand what you're saying and I don't want to take anything away because Splice definitely like set it up but that was still they lost double Infernal with a composition that shouldn't have lost control of it because I'd have to go back and watch it but I remember talking to Martin about this it felt like there was lazy back timers and just inefficient um pathing around the infernal that sk were able to kind of like snipe it each time and you basically added an azir jinx composition and they lost control in the 1v1 because uh cabo not cabo chachi was just crushing um warlib in the sideline it was jace versus jarvan and he kept killing him but all Willib had to do was to just stall out the inhib being taken on the other side of the map and then just wait 10 minutes for Jinx and Azir to take over the game, and that was going to be it. You had double Infernal, you had hyperscaling late, you were 10 minutes out from just having an auto win, but Willib kept fighting Jace and then dying for no reason, and so SK were like, we must force the Baron, and then just auto lost the game. And I'm like... No, just at worst case scenario, you give away that single inhib just to take the Baron later on. Because the thing about that composition is that Splice would never be able to start a Baron. It was so hard to do Baron when you have a Vel'Koz as your ADC. You're never going to do any damage of it. So even if you start it, uh, SK can just walk up at any time. They've got tons of room to walk up and then just poke you off of it until they're ready to fight. I think... SK hard through what should have been a one game. Yeah, I, I agree with you that they definitely threw it right there. I'm still not sure if it was definitely a one game from them. Uh, because at that point, again, I think they were up like five or 6,000 gold, which is significant. Um, and, and ultimately... Uh, one through one comps do really struggle to to start up the Baron. Um, but the difference was that Jace was winning so hard in the side lane that they didn't need to because o- what what they were going to be able to do was eventually get that inhibitor, whether or not I think Whirlib like lost the one view, like he was just going to lose regardless. Um, and S- SK would have had to send like multiple people down to try There's and There's a difference it. of losing on the inhib though and like losing by Wolf Camp. Yeah, true, true. He true. wasn't actually on Wolf Camp, I mean, but he was far down the lane. Definitely like. <laughs> Absolute credit, especially to Vizichachi, who who's you know played played a one through one style, and Splice who executed around that. But at the same time, I think you're right in the sense that like if SK was an older, more experienced team, I think this game would have taken more time at least. I don't know who ultimately would have won, but like they took a lot of risks they didn't need to take in a game where I think once the early game went as Splice favored as it did, they could have just like stepped back and played more reactive and played more defensive. Um, that said, though, the, the the series was a banger. I did not expect much from the series. I thought it was going to be honestly Resident Sleeper, but like these these all of these games were insane in terms of like the sheer amount of fights, the sheer amount of chaos. Game two was a special example of this. I'm looking at it now. Frostgren, you can check the scoreboard if you want. Um, the skill kill scores look great for Splice, but honestly, those so many of those fights were so incredibly close, so crazy back and forth. But um, Ender, I want to give you a brief platform to flame. <coughs> Um, I'm ready. Let's let's wait, wait, wait. 
in defense, he had hail of blades. If he was able to alt Kabe. Let's, let's set the, let's okay, set the okay. context. <laughs> so for those of you who missed the series or don't remember or just want a quick recap, self-made. Hero that he was, I believe he had one kill at this point in the game, goes first item warrior enchant with a chilling smite. Ooh, lovely. Second item, infinity edge. This is on Rek'Sai, by the way. On Rek'Sai. Yeah. Um, so first of all, props to him for going Hail of Blades because it's the superior rune choice on Rek'Sai. Got it. Um... <laughs> You say it every day. I say it every once, day. Once a day. <laughs> Reminder to anyone out there in the office, wherever I understanding, on the train station, Hail Blades, guys. So uh, Infinity Edge didn't really work that game. And uh, believe it or not, it didn't work. Now, in the last couple of days, I've played some Infinity Edge Rek'Sai in solo queue, trying to see what it's all about. Uh, and I've come to the conclusion that it's bad. <laughs> Don't do this at home, people. It's really not that good. So, so <laughs> I see the theory of it, right? It's like big AD ratios on Rek'Sai's kit. Ultimate does so much damage. You know, maybe the armor pen from Black Cleaver isn't that great because you do some true damage. But for 25% crit chance, it's just not worth it. You, what ended up happening in this game was Selfmade was in a position where he could team fight with his team. He builds full damage, so he has no HP, and then like there are three or four team fights in a row where he is on a flank, and his team fights a 45, and they lose. And he's still on the flank like, I'm waiting to go in, guys. I'm waiting to go, and he just could not go in because this is not solo queue, this is pro play. He got to sit in a bush one time and try to assassinate Kabe, and he couldn't do it because he got to attack three times with 25% crit, and you're not going to crit. Yeah, that was basically what happened. So the idea <laughs> is with Tail of Blades that hopefully you'll like roll the dice and you'll get the crit. Like if you get no. four autos off, you're like, one of them is going to hit. He didn't hit, He didn't crit Kabe once. So, so let's actually in. talk about some Rek'Sai tech here. Because oh, uh, I, I, I've actually good. spoken with a lot of Rek'Sai mains this about this. This is Christy Frierson's Church of Rek'Sai. Church of Rek'Sai. Okay. Preach. Lay it uh, down for the people. If you go Infinity Edge, go Aftershock. Now, the theory is, because you're so squishy, you need Aftershock. So you get the knockup, you get those resistances, and then you actually get to auto-attack more times than with Hail of Blades because you just don't instantly die. Like, that's actually the strategy. Like, there are some high elo Rek'Sai mains that do this, that go Infinity Edge with Aftershock. This is Uzi's mentality. Uh, so, back when Name and Uzi were, like, the big ADCs, Name would always build flat AD, and Uzi would always take the crit chance because Uzi was under the mentality that he will be able to get more auto attacks off with better positioning to proc the crit. Whereas Name was just like, I just want the flat damage. So, this is kind of like that mentality See, of... it sounds like Uzi just got lucky. <laughs> better players get lucky. That's true. Better player crits more, dude. That's <laughs> rule number one of being an AD carry. Or as in this case, an Infinity Edge Rek'Sai. Brutal end to the series. Self-made. You know, went in. Went out of playoffs like he came into the LEC, treating it like solo queue. He started the season stomping kids like it was solo queue. He ended the season. I'm going to say running it down a bit. Obviously, the series not on... Don't flame self-made too much, because obviously the build choice was abysmal, but the rest of the series was definitely not his fault. He had some fantastic, fantastic plays. But I'm excited to see SK in the future. Are you optimistic for SK to continue to grow? Yeah, absolutely. I think coming into Summer Split, this is a team that, again, you look forward to to making it into playoffs. Uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting, I think, because, again, you see this roster, and it's not just stars across the board, whereas some of our teams like Misfits that have a ton of stars didn't make it in. Uh, but what SK brought was a very unique style, specifically with Selfmade in the jungle, and I think that that's something that isn't going to change for them. I think that... 
you know, next split, you're, these teams that play aggressive in the early game are still going to be strong and that he's really going to have the ability to change his item builds and uh, do well next year. Well, I hope the best for SK in the future. I want to see this team continue to grow. Before we go into round two, I did promise a brief interlude. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what I'm going to gratefully call Ruining Your Solo Queue, a euphoria segment. Brought to you by Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is the name of me and Ender's <laughs> exclusively bought Duo Smurf account. Now, when they say bot, they definitely don't play bot. No, no, no. I mean, we, we play go to bot. bot lane. We don't say 80 carry for a reason because 80 carries are for nerds. <laughs> so um, if you guys are, this is, I don't know why we're doing this, just because I think it's something we're excited about and we want to share it. We play Flex Key with Frostgarn. Frostgarn always plays really try hard, plays like Jarvan Jungle, something really boring. And me and Ender will play so stuff lame. like Zoe Yasuo. Mordecai Zoliana. Mordecai Zoliana's our the, current The favorite. OG was Aurelia Pike bot Aurelia lane. This Pike is, this is when uh, all the changes to Marksman happened last year, and we were seeing like Aurelia bot lane and mages, and we're like, what if we just tried that ourselves? And it went great. Greg is Yasuo. We play oh. so many lanes. Uh, we've been swapping back and forth recently. So anyway, so the TLDR, friends, is that I, I want you to encourage you to find a friend you can, you can trio with, because what you need to first do is find your duo. Right, you find, make some really cool names. Make some really cool names. Butch Cassie, Sundance Kid. That's ours. Uh, we used weird letters. If you want to also take it and use weird letters, you can. I almost named my uh, account. I'm with them. <laughs> <laughs> so when I just camped you guys' lane. <laughs> and what I'd like to encourage you, I just reminder that eighty carries, they're not all there. Have some fun in your duo Q lanes, uh, and to to and make the segment as strong as possible. Ender, why don't you break down one whatever your favorite. My favorite bot lane? Your favorite bot lane we played Ooh. so far as well. Uh, see, I'm, I'm stuck between Aurelia Pike and Mordecai's or Leona. Do Mordecai's or Leona. Because that one's Leona? actually pretty In free. that game, I think I remember saying, I don't know how much damage Ender does. Can we win this game? Holy shit. What is Mord? <laughs> Mordecai's is does a lot of damage. Yeah. So basically, the way you play Mordecai's, the way I play Mordecai's are, uh, is you, you got to go for the W max. The W max makes you super tanky. You can actually like farm with it. Do you guys range. do double relics? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Relics. So was that just like a direct nerf to your guys's? Oh, it totally was. Yeah. You yeah, lost a lot of restore. power but there. But it's fine because we still win every game. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you basically, you, uh, you rock into lane and then Leona does all the work. So in this case... Dracos Whoa, is that doing level all the work. two gank does all the work. Okay, so your jungler sometimes ganks for you and tries to steal credit for your 2v2 victory. Ooh, um, yeah, true. Don't give it to them. No, it's, uh, it's but literally... yeah, basically, whenever Leana, Leona is going to land an E, you just drop the W on her and then she smashes. Yeah, and um, between Leona W and more W, oh. you're basically unkillable. Um, but a few notes before you start this always ban. Draven and Lucian. Oh, yeah. If you can't play with them. And if you, for whatever reason, feel confident against those champions, maybe ban Thresh. Has a nice matchup in Duliona. Because uh, if you don't take off early game, this lane can definitely come back. It has disgusting kill power, like, <laughs> later. But it's just a much better experience if you kill them at, like, level 2. Yeah. if you, you can kill them at level 2, but I feel like after that, it's actually, like, really hard to do anything in the 2v2. Um, but... 
Mordekaiser's itemization is where I get excited because you go for that ardent sensor first. Because Leona's the carry in the lane. <laughs> That's the secret. You still build her support, though. Yeah, you still build her support. But the ardent sensor on Mordekaiser is actually just super strong because you also get the buff yourself. That was changed like a year ago. Um, and like the healing shielding increase is sweet on the Mordekaiser. And ultimately, what you want to do is you just want to grab that first dragon and then walk bot lane and take all the turret plates. Now and imagine. they just will like, look at you like, what can we do? There's nothing. Because no one knows. Yeah. You said Max Mordekaiser's W, and I still don't know what that ability does. <laughs> it's it's a circle. little. I know it's the circle, but like I honestly, we played the land the other day. It's I read it, and I've already forgotten because there's like yeah, yeah. AOE. I get a movement speed steroid when I run towards you. There's the experience thing. I think is on top of that ability too. Yeah, yeah. And also like you get healing when it like detonates. I think so. Read Mordekaiser's kit before you play this lane if you're the more yeah, And then read it again because you if, still won't get yeah, it. Yeah, because you won't get it. I, I, I still don't. If you're the Leona player, it doesn't matter. Push your buttons, go in, kill them all. That's the strategy. How do you feel about that, Frosco? Uh, so I sit in the jungle, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm really going to play for my team. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to communicate. Mm. I'm going to ward for people. Mm. I like to play Jarvan because Jarvan's super easy to play, and he does a lot of damage, and it's really hard to pick that one up. Excuse me. Phil sticks that one up. And so I'm in my jungle, and I'm just looking at You're my... You're not very good at this. No, I'm not. <laughs> and I'm just looking at my Mord Leona bot lane, and I'm like, I bet if I gank for that level two, like, I don't really know what Mordekaiser does, but I definitely know that Leona will get the kill. So I gank for them level two, and then I gank for them level three. And I just kind of piss off to other sides of the lane. I'm just getting flamed by my top laner, even though I explicitly told him in chat <laughs> that I was going to camp this lane. And he's on, like, Silas Aurelia. What was it? Silas Aurelia matchup? I have no idea. It was bad. Uh, just lose gracefully. Just walk away from the tower. If I'm like, yo, bro. No, I was really play. I was like, hey, I see that you're struggling. It's fine. Just lose gracefully. We're going to win the bottom side. And then rotate you out of that terrible matchup. Writing like a goddamn novel as I'm walking through my jungle camps. <laughs> <laughs> but then I hit tab after we break these guys out of their lane. And I see that this guy has ardent sensor. And this is what goes to my mind. What the f***? It's Ender building. <laughs> I did not just spend my first 10 levels in your lane for you to build Ardent Sensor. I've got a flag. <laughs> it's the same thing. Ardent Sensor is so pretty. All right, so Meanwhile, our top laner is 1-7 at this point. Yeah. Actually, all caps, like, raging. Just like, this stupid Jarvan never gains for me. And I'm like, I can't help you. I'm trying to help the Ardent Sensor Mordekaiser. <laughs> So uh, let us know how you feel about this edition of Ruining Solo Queue, a.k.a. Solo Queue Stories. I'm curious. I, I love talking about this kind of stuff, but I don't know if it's like what people want from us as a podcast. Because I want to know more. Oh, tell us your crazy bot lanes. That's what I want to hear. Because we need new ideas. We're yeah, running actually, out. Please, tell us don't. Crazy Please I want all of the submissions to be Draven Leona. No, no. <laughs> Lucian Nami. Yeah, if you that. give us an Draven AD carry, Nami. we will not play it. We're not going to play it. Except we did play a lot of Ezreal for a little while, but we don't talk about that. We were stuck in silver. We needed to get out of, we needed to get into gold. We had to play an AD carry. Okay, look, it's Aureli got alerted a lot, <laughs> a lot. Riot, buff her. <laughs> You've ruined her as a bot laner. Takes too long to stack your passive. Anyway, if you want to play Mordekaiser Leona at home, aftershock for the Leona. I like Minion Dematerializer to help you get uh, levels faster. Also nerfed. Also nerfed for true. supports. Deliberately nerfed for supports, I believe. But uh, you guys should play Ari bot. Ooh, that's a good that idea. That could be fun. Anyway, uh, Aerie for the Mordekaiser. First item, Arden Sensor. Double Ari relic. Lux with double dematerializer and coin. That's so cowardly. Ooh. No, it's fun. Fi <laughs> final note. Ivern Rengar is a terrible bot lane. Oh, bush oh, cat. Play it. It's not good. You think, I will make bushes for the cat. The cat will leap. They snap pick Caitlyn, 
and you don't get to play the game. <laughs> and it turns out when Ivern takes W level one, he's not a champion. Yeah. <laughs> so, the so no, wait, wait. We're going to we're gonna stop there. We're going to move on. We're going okay. to move on. If anyone wants more follow-up information on our troll bot lands, you can ask Ender. And if kid, enough people are interested, down, like, we'll crack. make like a video series on Ender's stream or something. Leap now. But now looking forward, no more troll bot lanes, except for there's Velkaz and else. This we could have transitioned to the Velkaz. That would have been way better. Oh, no, wait. I have one other good off-the-rail story. Because Ender, you, have, you have 30 seconds for your off-the-rail story. Oh, because Ender was talking about how he was also a playtester. I was a playtester back in uh, uni, but I playtested for Wii Fit. And the thing was, is we couldn't tell anyone that we were playtesting for Wii Fit. So what you had is you had this giant cafeteria and they'd all send out, we'd all be testing our different games, we're all NDA'd, and then we'd come back and about 25 of us would be drenched in sweat. And all the other playtesters like, what are they doing to those people? Because <laughs> all you had to do... You have to do, like, push-ups and stuff. Because you basically test, like, you take the disc out, you, like, time it, you put the disc in, you time, like, how long it takes to load. But the thing we were doing is we were doing, like, the push-up one and then, like, going through the menus. So we'd do, like, ten push-ups to make sure that it was reading our inputs and then try to go through menus and then do it back again. It was, like, a 30-second difference between doing, like, ten push-ups every single time. It was awful. Anyway, that's my story. That sounds awful. Great. But thank you for hitting 30 seconds. Next up, round two. It's coming this weekend, folks. G2 versus OG. There is a name for this match. I forget what the official name is. It's the semifinal? No, round no, three. I thought it was no, top this, tier this match. This is round two. This is the top well, we, tier match. We definitely were That's experimenting with different names. We're, we're figuring out. Let us know if you have a good idea for one versus two as a match name. This is technically round two. Uh, this is the road to Rotterdam for Fnatic and or Splice. Winning here gets them there. G2 and OG have already secured a position, but we'll see if they come into oh. the winner's bracket or the loser's bracket. No, here we go. PSA. Like, because I, I think it's really hard for viewers to kind of understand. It's... Brand new uh, playoff bracket. I had to look at it a couple times. I know you did the video. PSA, the most important thing is we do not have a worthless third place match. Like, Yay. we have an, Every day an is a incredible gift. format. That second versus first match, I don't know if you want to call it the dynasty match, the legacy match, whatever you want to call that one. Uh, that means a lot. It basically gives you a soft double elimination in the bracket, and it means that you will see both these teams in Rotterdam. So when you're looking at those ticket sales, it, don't just buy tickets for the finals. Come and see the other match because it matters and it means that you're probably going to see the top three teams, which if you're a Fnatic fan, you're probably going to see them in Rotterdam. There's no like third versus fourth, like why am I watching this? This is a waste of time Ooh, that's match. That's great. That's perfect because then we can talk about Fnatic versus Splice. You guys think we're going to see them in Rotterdam, but Splice looked so good. <laughs> so talk to me about this difference because at the end of the day, Splice are definitively, at least in playoffs, at least the fourth best. At worst, they're the fourth best, and it does feel like they showed us more. They showed Vizicachi split pushing. You know, they played a pretty commanding series. Um, mostly commanding series. Mostly. I think the concern is that Fnatic were like, can we pick Splice? And the referees were like, no. And they're like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's concerning. Fnatic's a little yeah. scary, but break, break this one down for me. Let's talk a little bit like, is this, first off, is this, as super fanatic favored as it already sounds, right? Yes, that's yes. what I think. Yes. Um, okay, so give me give me the one. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I so I think fanatic are maybe even the favorites coming into playoffs, just with their how their form has been in the second half of the split. Like they've won their last twelve games in a row. 
um, including beating Splice during the regular season. Um, so you, you just look at this team and you wonder, like, where is the weakness? You know, their bottom lane is doing very, very well. Mid lane Nemesis is having a much bigger impact in his games than he was earlier in the split. The weakness is their top laner. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm working from the bottom up. I and see. then I was going to be like, yeah, but top lane, that's <laughs> maybe where they can. But then, anyways... Broxa, hard smurfing the jungle. Top lane looks to be the weakness, but even when he's like hard counterpicking himself, like teams can't beat him hard enough to get a win. You look at the G2 game where he got absolutely dumpstered, the rest of the team still won the game. Obviously, it came down to the wire and ended up being much closer in the end, but then the series against Vitality as well, you you had him just absorbing pressure. And sure, there are misplays, but it's not enough to actually exploit this team, I don't think. And do not misquote me. I'm not saying that Whippo is bad. I'm just saying that Whippo will often take the short stick in the Fnatic draft. He, he just counterpicks himself in every... Like, he plays <laughs> Gangplank into Rise and Lucian. Like, it's absurd. So there is a beautiful <laughs> property here, and not that we're saying that Bwipo is a bad player and you can punish him. It's like, no, Bwipo is left exposed. I love, I love those, uh, those caveats. That's the, I've been flamed for this. Stop flaming me for this. That's not what I said. Anyway. I mean, you're right. I think the sense that, like, Bwipo... I think the scary thing is, is when you look at the Vitality matchup, when you look at Cabo Shard, who was like, has to has to have been touted as best of, top lane in the league. Yeah, best top lane in the league in the regular season, right? And admittedly, Vitality struggled in the second half, uh, no doubt. But coming into this, you would have expected that if anyone could stomp Whippo when he's counterpicking himself, it would be Wonder after that Wonder performance or Cabo, and he couldn't do it. And Vitality collapsed. And now I just wonder, like, when you're spliced, you're like. Is this even an avenue we want to attack? Is this even worth our time? Because it doesn't feel like it matters. And that's why this matchup is, I think, so heavily Fnatic favored. Because if you think stylistically, how do you uh, rip through Fnatic? You'd have to have a strong solo laner. And not that Chachi isn't a good top laner, but he's a good team fighting top laner. And you know what Whippo is? And Fnatic are? They're really good team fighters. So uh, this is... Splice that's running into a team, which they have shown that they can play that mid-game, that they do have some unique picks. Um, and I think, you know, maybe if they throw a wrench in everything, that's really cool. But otherwise, I just think this is... Fnatic should just 3-0. Should give, just walk through them. Give me, like, a quick TLDR before we move on to G2 OG. Because I think you're, you guys are echoing a lot of the, the feelings <laughs> that are out there already. Um, but if Splice are going to win, how is it going to happen? Is it attacking Whippo? Like, if, if you were Splice and you wanted to go, hey, how are we going to focus on Fnatic? Like, what can we do to take them down? What would you, what would you do? Uh, I think it actually comes down to junglers. Um, I think Xerse, one of the big reasons why they looked so good against SK uh, was because he just read self-made like a book. Yep. Like, self-made couldn't do anything in those games. Uh, and I think Xerse was like the top performer on the side of Splice. Um, so if anything, I, I need Xerse to do similar things where it's shutting down Broxa, you know, showing up for every counter gank and contesting them in that way. Because ultimately, I think lane by lane, Fnatic have the advantages. Um, and it's 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 really tough because I think you have to go for the team fight. I think for Splice against Fnatic because you're not going to be able to abuse them with with the one through one comp that worked for them against SK. Uh, so you have to go for the team fight, and it has to be Xerxes to get you there. Hmm. Anything different to add, Frostgar? Do you feel like you're on the same page with Ender? No, I just think it's really important that people understand how smart Xerxes is. Yeah. He'll do this thing where he'll like stand to the side of fights and. 
Um, any other jungler would engage there, but Zersei won't, knowing that he's standing on vision. It's like that mind game of, I know that they see me. I know that they think that I'm going to engage on them. I won't because we're far behind right now and I don't want to die, but it forces them to give us pressure. And like those are some of the tricks where you see like how intelligent Zersei is as a player. Yeah, and as a, as a quick point on Zersei, I think some people were maybe surprised that he didn't make the top three jungler list uh, for the top three all-pro teams. Um, and I originally had him there for like the first like six or seven weeks of play, I think. Um, because he really was doing, he was doing so well. He was like one of our best early game junglers. And I think he, he sort of fell out of the uh, conversation because a lot of his picks, like week seven through nine, were like Aatrox, Silas, like scaling junglers where he couldn't have that much of an impact. So now that we're seeing him go back um, to some things that can, he's really stepping up. And I think that he's the difference for Splice. Mm. Well, exciting to see. Still, I think Fnatic's favorite heading in, but we'll see what Splice can do, what they can show us. G2 versus OG, though, is an exciting one. Now, Ender, if you haven't seen the episodes leading up to this in the playoff previews, every single pro player that we invited on the show, except for Nuke Duck, believe it or not, predicted that G2 would win the G2 OG matchup. Now, me and Frostgren both predicted OG. We were talking about it off-screen, and I know that you feel like this might be an OG-favored matchup. So, if we look at it, let's first... Ender, you can share first maybe why you think OG is going to win, and then we can speculate as to why we might be completely wrong because every pro <laughs> we've spoke to has predicted G2 to win. Yeah, so I guess I should start it by saying that I feel like I have a very good read on Splice, Fnatic, and Origin. Like, I, I, I know what to expect from these teams. I really don't when it comes to G2 because you think about it, it's like it's the G2 we saw recently in the last few weeks of, of the split was not the G2 that went 9-0. They were not crushing in lane. They were not like snowballing insane victories. They weren't like styling on people with new picks. This G2 actually lost to the all the other teams that are still left. They lost to Splice, Fnatic, and to Origin. Uh, so I come in and I say, yes, I know that peak performance G2 like can just dominate, right? They can win playoffs with ease, you know, go to MSI, all those great things. But I can't bet on peak G2 because I haven't seen it in so long. So G2 is actually the wild card to me in playoffs, which is kind of crazy to think because they are coming in as the first seed. Whereas I think Origin is like one of the most predictable teams remaining. Like, you know... You, you you know what you're going to get from them because it's not like they're having like five players just styling on you during the laning phase. They're very good at reading their opponents and ultimately, I think that similar to, to Xerxes, I think Cold is a very good jungler when it comes to reading his opponents and you look at how they've beaten G2 in the past and it's it's actually through Cold in in the early games like just stopping G2 from getting any any ground done against them. I think it's about... if. If we buy into this idea that um, the teams left are really good at identifying how to create opportunities and how to capitalize on them, I think how G2 and Origin do them is very, very different. G2 recognize when they have opportunity or when they change up their game plan on the fly, like have that creativity based on things like cooldowns, especially flash timers. They will almost always punish a missing flash timer. They're really good at moving around um, wave priority and when they can get stacking waves. And uh, they're really good at, at collapsing for like skirmish advantages like their skirmishing power is insanely good but how they manufacture their advantages is often through fighting like they're like a battle team where they pick their battles now people hear that like g2 or are the brain dead team it's like no no no. they're very intelligent about how they do it they always know that they have an advantage in it um but 
when Origin do it, it's through things like the item power spikes, the level power spikes, the objectives. You know, it, it's much more about like a map read and about this guy wants to do this on the enemy team, so we're going to go here or we're going to set up a trap. It's trying to think what the opponent wants and then to cheat around it versus that guy doesn't have flash. We're going to set up this wave priority. If they fight us, I'm going to kill him because I've got all of my shit ready. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just yeah. very different. Yeah, I, G2... I think their biggest strength comes down to how frequently they force fights. And, you know, you hear about, like, forcing mistakes from opponents a lot, and I think, like, G2 is, like, one of, if not the best team in our league at doing that. Because when you fight so consistently, it actually doesn't give you time to process the situation. And because it's always G2 with the tempo in the games, they get to choose the fights, and the other teams just have to match them. So it comes down to this idea that, like, when you're in the game looking at, like, what to do next, first you have to sort of like observe what's going on then you have to figure out okay like they're like they've got three people top lane like why are they doing this is the next question and then you have to decide okay what are we going to do now that we have this information and you have to act on it what g2 basically do is while you're still trying to like get your bearings and figure out what's going on around you they just fight you so you don't get to decide you just have to respond like immediately so you don't get to make informed decisions and that often leads to like mistakes coming through from teams and that's why they're skirmishing is so good because they're always the ones driving the pace. And I think this is also why um, champions that have like high sustain output are really crucial for them. You know, you don't think of Yankos as like the Jarvan or Sejuani jungler. You think of Yankos as like the Elise jungler, something that has a lower cooldown on her playmaking ability and like her assassination potential. It's why champions like Akali, Aurelia, Yasuo are big caps champions versus something like Lissandra. Not that he couldn't play Lissandra, but you're not putting yourself on like a you know 20 minute timer to go and make a big play with an ultimate it's having these champions that can constantly have pressure constantly skirmish and constantly fight you and to me it feels like uh i mean there's distinct clash of styles which is my favorite thing to say going into a series because those for me usually are the series that like are, are the most fun to watch and all right correct me if i'm wrong here but my immediate comparison is that like g2 and we have an expert here so you can correct me once again feels a lot like an LPL team <laughs> and OG feel like a lot do you know like which, an LCK team. Do you know which LPL team? Honestly, when I watch the way they fight sometimes, it reminds me a lot of EDG. It is EDG. Hey, <laughs> we got it. Is that fair? Is that like a fair comparison? Because it's like, I, it, they're so, so different in terms of how they play the game. Uh, when I first started, I was talking to Amazing. I think you might have been in the room when I, we were like watching a G2 game. You and may this have was... been witnessing this conversation. And <laughs> you were witnessing it. You may have gotten the privilege. And I was, uh, I was watching G2 play, and it was back when G2 was still like smashing everyone with Amazing. I was like, this team reminds me so much of EDG because... They, uh, especially because EDG love to exploit teams through mid lane because they recognize that mid lane gets you most control over the map. And then it's about mid lane jungle because it was about scout and clear love. Mm. And that once that they had an advantage, uh, EDG's mentality was like, let's skirmish everywhere with these two players because we know that we're constantly going to win. And it's like, if, you, if you're forcing tempo and you're forcing skirmishes where you walk over to Rift Road, you're like, do you want this? <laughs> you're going to have to work for it. And I was just looking at G2, I was like, 
this team is Edward Gaming. And what's scary is that when they fell behind then, their way to get back into game was never to trade objectives. G2 will very rarely trade objectives. And I don't know if that's because they don't know to do it properly, which I think is false. I just think it's that they think that the other way is better to play, which is let's uh, split up the individual matchups, let's leverage where we still have strong matchups, and let's fight them. Um, and that is a very EDG-esque thing to do, which EDG dominates LPL all the time, so it's not a bad, it's not a bad <laughs> run. Okay. I need predictions. Wait, Ender didn't get to say anything. Oh. And he's been he's been so quietly on the desk, he's just been like, please. I've been, yeah, just let me please. let me in. I don't walk at your hands. <laughs> I expect you to look at mine. It's not a two-way oh, street. It's so <laughs> rude. It's so rude. I'm your guest yeah, on the show. Yeah. Go. Um so I think to to sort of circle back to a point that the Frost was making earlier with the, how fast G2 play and when they play with low cooldown spells, I think, um, and the ability to, to fight a lot, I think this was very apparent, I, I want to say back in week six. It was when they played against Shalka, uh, where they actually, they lost the early game. Um, and what they kept doing was they would take these fights around mid, and they lost like two or three of them in a row. But it just didn't matter because like Shulk in that game had like very long cooldowns that they had to play against. Um, and that was the game that showed me that this team is just really good at tracking what the enemy has and, and just very good at certain like micro elements in the game like that because it wasn't like they were out macroing them or anything in, in that term of the word where like as o origin will be a team that'll like get the vision set up for a dragon take it away you have no option right uh, or like set up a wave you know you, you have to respond to the crash they have a 5v4 on the other side they win origin will trade objectives exactly G2 won't. yeah G g2 just absolutely will not they they have a very good idea of how strong the enemy is even after losing a fight, and that's what makes them so scary to play against. Like, I don't know if, if um, anyone, anyone listening has, like, played in, in tournaments themselves, but it's very often when you, when you play against a team that you just know is better than you, you feel like you just get choked out almost immediately because you... Everywhere you decide to fight, the other team has is just like there and ready to take you on. It's like you you actually don't have any answers, and that's what I feel like it, it is for a lot of teams in LEC to play against G two. You just don't feel like there's any room to breathe. Dang, that's intense. But still, we're like OG are going to come out on top. I still think OG are going to come out on top, and it's because when we're talking about G two, it's you know the nine and zero G two. Whereas you look at the last few weeks, it just has not been the same. So again, their, their peak performance G2 wins this split, and I don't think anyone questions that. But I don't know if that's the G2 we're going to get. So if it's peak performance G2, is it just like a 3-0 for G2? No, I don't think so, because um, I think the one leverage that Origin has is that if you were going to pick a superstar player, it's probably either Alfari or Nuke deck on that team. Um, in terms of like who's going to make the clutch plays. And I think because Nuke deck is in that conversation, like you must have... I think Nuke Deck personally is the second best mid laner in the LEC. So if anyone is going to stall out uh, G2 or at least be able to put up a fight against them, you must have the second best mid laner to survive caps. And it, it's, it's, it's or just like smash him with the Zed again. <laughs> or just smash him with the, that weird Cassie. <laughs> caps is like, well, I guess this is mine now. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want this. This is brutal. Um, all right. Well, we're running low on time. So fi final, final prediction so we can get some Twitter questions from the lovely people at home. Uh, what form do you expect G2 to show up in, and what's the final score going to be for the, for the matchup? Um, I don't think it'll be peak performance G2. I would say, like, 
80, 85% G2. I, I'd say better than what we saw yeah. uh, in the last few weeks, um, but not quite the 9-0. And I would expect, give me five games, 3-2 origin. Dang. Frosco? Um, I'm really curious how G2 will pick up things like Urgot, Kale, Hecarim. I think if if this team is still as explosive in terms of their adaptation to the patch as they were in the beginning of the split to now, I think that this could actually just throw a huge wrench in Origin's plans because Origin have been a very slow team to pick up. Mm. I don't know if that's necessarily in their adaptation to the patch, their practice regime, or whatever it was, but they were just they were slow to the uptake. Um, and I think those three picks of G2 just come in and they're flexing it everywhere and they're doing crazy things with the the power of these, then I'm like, oh, that could be a 3-0 real quick. But otherwise, I do expect this to go 3-2. I have faith in Origin um, just because I think that they'll be able to slow down the game and they will make more consistent decisions. Dang. I don't know. After that, it's still hard for me. I don't know is the honest truth. I voted Origin with Frostgren on our bracket, but... Caps also said that they were kind of just taking it easy in the last few I weeks. Mean, and literally everyone <laughs> says that when they're losing games at the end of a split. But I don't know. I kind of believe him for some reason. So I'm, I'm not sure. Well, when you're already, like, guaranteed that you're going to be first, you're like, okay, we need to do our super heavy practice and burn our players out. Or we nope. could just coast yeah. and then it, start prepping. It makes Chilling. it even harder to read G2 because it's I like, know, exactly. are they not that good? Are they just way better and, and like, trolling? I don't know. I will say this. I think... Um, for the first time, and it's because it's also my first split in the LEC, if we sent either Origin G2 or even Fnatic to MSI, I'm like, I'm okay with that. You know, I don't think yeah. I don't think Europe gets embarrassed here. I think that this is a very strong showing. It's hype. All right. In Twitter questions, we talk, asked you guys about MVP, who you thought would get it, why they should uh, get it as well, because MVP is always tough because people have different reasons, different logic. Um, we'll get two Twitter questions in today. Thank you, everyone, who, who provided one. Uh, the first one is from... Ziv Elkayam at Ziv12300. Ziv, first request. We're answering your question. Get a Twitter profile picture. Twitter eggs always they freak me out, man. It can even be an anime avatar. You can go with the memes. Um, has to be at Kabe for two reasons. One, he played out of his mind even better than the rest of the all-pro team. Two, he has had an enormous effect on Spice by taking a low amount of resources and carrying the team with no problems. How do you guys feel about Kabe as a potential MVP candidate? I think... He can be in the discussion, but I personally don't view him as number one. Um, one of the things that we actually used to to highlight his role within Splice was like his damage share, which is like absurdly high for a lot of AD carries. And I do think that ultimately, like he is he is the most important part of Splice. Um, but if you actually look at his like damage per minute or his, his like damage differential to like the opposing ADC, it's not like that insane like it's pretty average um he lost lane a lot yeah he lost lane a lot and you could say that maybe that's Norskarn as well um but like to die that many times the amount of first bloods that happened in dreams crown shot versus kabe Norskarn, and it went both ways i was like that's rough you don't expect that of like the mvp candidate when it's also like cabochard uh caps you know, those types of names that are also up there, you yep. can't then go into an SK series and get first-blooded multiple times. Yeah, to me, it's like he feels like the rock of the team in a way that kind of like a player like Soas has often felt like the rock of the team where, like, you can make arguments for MVP, but at the end, like, at the end of the day, he is one of the most important pieces of the puzzle, if not the more, most important piece, but it's also, like, without a player like Cersei on his team, like, he probably never gets a chance. Yeah, right. I also think it's it's sort of hard, I think, in our meta right now for an ADC 
to to be MVP or at least to have that much of an impact because especially in in the LEC our game times are actually like relatively short compared to the global average um, and ultimately like ADCs don't come online that early on so like junglers mid laners top laners all look very impressive because you know especially for like a jungler for say like 0 to 20 minutes is like their bread and butter whereas in the past when we've had like MVPs like reckless and stuff the games are 40 minutes long and it's all about the team fights and while that was true of a lot of spices games I think it's much harder to make the argument for an ADC um, than it would be for a potential other role I just think you have to be better at um Unfortunately, I think with ADC as well, it's like it's your lane phase and it's your team fighting. Whereas like it feels like for mid laners, it's almost always just about the lane phase. And then if they're also good team fighters, it's like a bonus for your jungler. It's about how many times you gank for your top laner. It's about lane phase. But for ADCs, we almost like you must be a good laner and a good team fighter. Yeah, I just it does feel like there's a higher barrier to entry. And also part of that is because like I think having a second person in your lane also makes it harder to tell. And I Definitely. just think yeah. definitively like mid lane and jungle. Solo lanes always feel like there's room for argument, but bot lane is just so rarely does a team consistently play through bot lane. And like when that has happened in the past, it was like reckless winning MVP, right? And like those were the splits where literally you could tell it, a team had to be all about bot lane in order for that person to even be on like. And team. also, it was just like team fights were the way you won games, and that what was it. It was like early game didn't matter. If the no. MVP was like changed up to bot lane, so instead of giving an MVP to like reckless specifically, you gave an MVP to. Reckless silly, like the uh, that so might be a hard. feels bad man though, because like you don't want to share an MVP, but also like yeah. it would more it accurately reflect the role. So in the game. hard to differentiate down there unless you're like literally in comms for every single team. But the difference is like while laning phase, I fully agree with you. Team fighting, those two roles couldn't be further apart. I know? don't know, man. Like people, all a star or Jinx. No, no, no. I <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but I'm like. Trying to tell who's, like, the success story. So, again, if we go to, like, EDG, they've got Mako and iBoy. And iBoy gets, like, a lot of credit now after his appearances on International Stage. And he is good. And Mako was also playing, like, garbage. But when iBoy first <laughs> came on the stage, Mako was playing, like, a god. And it was like, is this uh, AD carry actually good? Or is Mako just, like, hyper-boosting him up when you have a support that's like, I'll save you. I'll zone for you. I'll engage the fight. No, come here. No, I've got the wave. No, stop. Come here. <laughs> And that's our job as analysts. <laughs> oh, I can't listen to the comms to tell like how like sure of a leash and that we is. Guess. <laughs> Got him. Um, yeah, Kabe is definitely an interesting one. Uh, damn, there's like there's so much to cover, guys. Kabe is good. Time. I don't think he's MVP. Kabe is good. Uh, I one more question, and then I want us each to list who you voted for first place as MVP. Um, it's gonna be public anyway, so. Uh, personally, oh, I forgot. You're just hurting your back. Just hurts. <laughs> She's pinching nerve. Uh, uh, Rowan at Rowan11. Personally, I'd give it to Nuke Duck, consistently showing up every OG game, hard carrying multiple times, as well as being the reason his team uh, never being the reason his team loses or falls behind. Not sure if he's brought up as much as Caps herself may, but the most deserving, in my opinion. Oh my goodness. Do you think anyone on Origin deserves MVP? No. I, no. Exactly. I really don't. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's what like if they win? What if it's like a 3 0 they win and they go to MSI? Playoffs don't count for the MVP votes. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I think the issue is is that no one piece of the OG puzzle feels like it's carried its weight to such an exceptional degree. Uh, and one name that you bring up there is like Caps. Caps has definitely had games where it's clearly been the Caps show. Now, there's been one or two games for that for Nuketuck. Self made, I think, is a great argument for MVP because you literally look at the half half first half of their split, and it's literally if Self made does something, the team wins the game, and if not, the team loses. So uh, Nuketuck, I think, is a contender in terms of like. If you wanted to go for like the best overall player argument for MVP, you'd still lose that to Caps, I think. But he's probably in like the top five there on that list. But it is feel 
impossible, I think, to give it to any one OG member. Yeah, I think ultimately for OG, it's like I th- every single player you can make an argument could be top three, like top three all-pro teams. That's actually cool. So yeah. they would never be in like the MVP candidate, but then when you looked at like who is MVP for each position, Origin would probably have someone in there across yeah. the board, but they'd be like third, fourth, possibly fifth sometimes. But like they're always going to be in top five. Yeah, and, and their overall strength, when you look at how they play their games, it's not individual outplays or anything. It's It couldn't be further from G2, which is what makes the matchup so exciting. It really is just the team play angle, which is where they excel over every other team in our league. Super, super hype. Um, thank you, everyone, for giving the questions. The MVP discussion is always intense. Reminder that it is just a regular season reward. You guys have brought it up. So whatever's happened in playoffs now does not matter. Um, and to close it out, one final bit here. Uh... MVP. I voted for Cabo Shard first place. I voted Cabo. I voted Cabo. Oh my God. There we go. <laughs> uh, like, really, we're over time. So give me like two sentences why you voted for Cabo. We'll s- you can start with Frost. Because I one. wanted um, best overall player with kind of like a mix of the resources that they got around them. So for me, it was Caps or Cabo. And I just felt that like uh, they had both made individual incredible outplays but Cabo had less to work with, which is what gave him the edge, but it was super close. Otherwise, I was like, who is the best player in Europe? It's still Caps. Yeah, for me, it's it's individual skill mixed with like importance or value to the team. And you look at G2, I think all of those players are super valuable. I don't say Caps is like insanely more valuable than someone like Yankos or Wonder, uh, whereas I, I look at Vitality and I say Cabo Shard was the reason why Vitality was second place for so long, uh, and he just was... By far and away, I think, the best uh, laning top laner uh, in the LEC. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, um, to cap it out, I just I think that I I don't honestly even look at individual play. A team record is like the most important thing, and then the person who has the most value on that team, and usually that just goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, the most valuable person being mechanically skilled. But um, without Cabo, this team doesn't make playoffs, like very clearly, especially in the final weeks when the, when the rest of the team started to falter. And... Well, not every single game was the Cabo show. It did feel like 80, 85% of the games Cabo was was doing well, was drafted to do well. He did his job. He was set up for success, and he did it every single time um, outside of maybe one or two. And people will bring up like the a few last few games in this, this split, but honestly, I don't think it like outweighs the fact that they were sole control of second for a long time, and team just absolutely smashed. If other people on G2 were a little worse, it would clearly be Caps, <laughs> but G2 is... Uh, a team full of star talent, so I just don't think any one player, it's hard to make any one player on G2 out to be the MVP. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been season three, episode 12. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Featuring Ender. Uh, Thank you everyone so much for listening. if you guys want to talk about more about MVP in the comments, I might, you know, jump in, whether that's on Reddit or YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'll jump into YouTube comments. YouTube comments are, <laughs> oh yeah, well, maybe, yeah. YouTube comments, wholesome, fun, wonderful. We love you guys out there. Let us know what you think. Uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next time or listening. Whoa, listening, watching. We'll see you next time. <laughs>